This is Halftime Adjustments on WPXI Now. Happy Wednesday evening. I'm Albie Oxenrider. Welcome to Halftime Adjustments. And on the other end, as usual, our partner from DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kovacevic. Dan, you made it in and out of PNC Park, and I loved your live tweeting. <laughs> well, uh, PNC Park was a fun place to be. Uh, I'm looking forward to being there all week. Uh, it was neat to be in there. Uh, it was neat to see baseball. Uh, you know, not much of it. It, it. There's, you know, it's small groups. It's quiet. When they do these simulated games, Albie, they turn the music off and, and everything. And it's really quiet. And I was thinking to myself, is it really going to be like this for actual games? Uh, when you say quiet, you think of it normally of a small crowd or something like that. No, no, no. It's dead silent. You can't hear a thing. And it kind of freaks you out a little bit. Um, we'll see how that is for real games, but uh, I'm not going to lie. It was nice to be in there. Yeah, I wonder how it will be for the players playing in that type of atmosphere. Uh, certainly the opposite of what they're used to. Yeah, I mean, I, I know everybody's going to crack their uh, obligatory jokes about, ah, oh, the Pirates will be used to it. They always have small crowds and whatever else. Everyone's going to think it's original every time they say it. But it's uh, – this is different. This isn't even like when they played in high school, you know, because they had mom and dad there cheering for them, you know. Um, when you watch baseball happening – overseas right now particularly in, in in korea and taiwan and if you've seen any of those games when the players do something good when they hit a home run or there's a strikeout or something their dugouts cheer like crazy because they're trying to just manufacture anything at all that makes the pitcher or the hitter or whoever feel like they did something because they're used to that they're used to having that reaction to it um I think it's going to take a while for major league players in North America to to get to that point because I don't know that they're used to doing that. They're you know having guys standing on the top railing going yeah woo. Uh, it's it's going to be different. Yeah, we we wanted to start this segment by asking the question: Is there hope for this sixty game season? And I have to tell you, listening to Stephen Brault yesterday, I loved his enthusiasm. I loved the perspective that he gave. He said, "Hey." How great is this? I'm paraphrasing, but he said, after 100 games, everybody's tied. Can you imagine going into August in a regular season with everybody tied? I think, assuming they can you know, proceed without any obstacles, this could be an amazing couple months for baseball. Well, that's the way they're approaching it. They're, they're trying to approach it as if uh, there's already that enthusiasm, if, as if there's already that excitement, as if they've somehow achieved something by being in first place at the end of July. Now, of course, that's false. That's the, it's, it's manufactured. But right. at the same time, it's also real. That's the crazy part of this. And I think that's what he's, he's getting at. Uh, the Pirates, if you go back to it, these same Pirates, most of the same players, a year ago, uh, pretty much right about now, actually, went into the All-Star break, uh, one game under 500, two and a half games out of first place. That was through 90 games. So they remember what that felt like. You know, yeah, the division was down, the Cubs were down, Brewers were down, Cardinals were lagging at the time. Didn't matter. 
in baseball, that stuff doesn't matter. In baseball, you're either it's, – it's all about the GB column. How many games are you back? The Pirates were two and a half games back through 90 games. So they remember what that was like. Those guys also remember, Albie, they remember what it was like uh, to have people going, whoa, hang on a second, are the Pirates for real? So they, they, right, right. they, they know what that's like. And I do think that the, since they've gone into PNC Park and, and started their summer camp, uh, you can feel it. There is a sense of not only optimism that they're coming back, but enthusiasm that for the reasons you just mentioned, that this team uh, could make it fun. And, and as we talked about last week, this short season could actually benefit them. Well, I mean, I know that there are going to be exactly 30 teams that feel that way. Um, maybe not so much of the very best, because if you think about it, they would be the ones that would be entering with the most confidence because they would look around and they would say, well, look at all the depth we have. If so-and-so gets hurt, whatever, we're going to be just fine because we have a quarter of a billion dollar payroll. Um, I would guarantee you that the Yankees and Dodgers would feel a whole lot better about their chances over 162 than they would over 60 where anything can happen. Hey, how about the Washington Nationals? You know, they, they wouldn't even have made the playoffs. Right. They would have been anywhere near the playoffs last year, let alone winding up World Series champs. Uh, the Pirates just need to get hot. That's it. They need and, – and actually, I'll take it a step further, Albie. The first month of their schedule of this 60-game run is the hardest by far. Yeah, it's That's loaded. when they're playing yeah. – yeah, the Cardinals and the Brewers – uh, and then the Twins from the AL Central who won 101 games last year. Then you go to that second month, and you're looking at a whole lot of Royals and Tigers and so forth. Um, that's not to suggest that the Pirates could arrogantly look down on anybody else. I'm not being dumb here. But I am saying that if they can get through that first month with their heads even a little bit above water, now you're that much closer. Yeah, and I mean, just just hearing you say it and just seeing this thing develop, it it does it does get you a little bit excited, especially after waiting so long for the season to start and all the obstacles that everybody's had to deal with, and and the long layoff for the players and the lay and the long layoff for the fans. I think what you just said is enough to make anybody make anybody excited. I mean, just picture. Well, this is for better or worse. But just picture the opening series in St. Louis, which which I'll be flying out to cover. Picture if they take two out of three. Picture if they sweep. It's going to feel larger than life. It's going to be kind of crazy, you know? Because you're going to think, wait a second. Not only did they just take out the team that's most likely the favorite in the NL Central, but they mathematically, they really achieved something here by winning these games. Yep, no question. Every game will seem a little bit bigger. Thanks, Dave. And when we come back, Penn's in the playoffs. And later on, talking cap space and quarterbacks as halftime adjustments continues. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. And not only is everybody getting ready for baseball, but yeah, hockey getting set to start with their full training camp. And then August 1st, the season be- the season resumes, we should say. Um, Dan, the Pens in the playoffs, uh, is it too much of a stretch to say that the Penguins are the favorite in the Eastern Conference? Um, I think to declare it boldly might be a little bit rough because you're looking at a, a Tampa Bay Lightning team that is just overflowing uh, with depth, uh, especially uh, up front. Actually, I take that back, also on the blue line. And um, if Andre Vasilevsky stays healthy, then their depth in goal won't matter. They're not deep in goal. Uh, but the Tampa Bay Lightning are probably that team. And then I say that, and then I remember that the last time we said that about the Tampa Bay Lightning, they played four games against a franchise that had never won a playoff series before and were done. And that, of course, was the loss to Columbus last year. So we put a great big asterisk next to the Lightning. Uh, the Boston Bru- excuse me, the Boston Bruins are right there, uh, right there with the Lightning, right there with the Penguins. I'm not sure there's another team, though, Albie in the East that I'd put into that bracket. I'd like to say Washington, but something was wrong with the Capitals pretty much all year, and I wasn't able to put my finger on what. Uh, Maybe, theoretically, they could get it back together. But beyond that, you know, look, the conversation we were supposed to be having was the Penguins without Jake Gensel. Remember? That was the bar that we had set. And then this happens. And then Jake's just fine. And Jake's going to be on the first line. And they got Jason Zucker anyway. And now Jason Zucker can play on the second or third line. So the whole dynamic changes. Yeah, and that's exciting in itself if you think of it in, in, in terms of that. So let's say if not the favorite in the East, then certainly a team that could, uh, with, a, with a little bit of luck and, uh, you know, things going, things that puck bouncing the right way, uh, this is a team that could advance uh, deep into the playoffs. I, I could take could and turn it into a should. I mean, you know, the Penguins, I think they're going to be feeling some pressure going into these playoffs. It, it's a different kind of playoff. Picture that preliminary round. Yeah, I'll be right. Picture them playing against Montreal. Uh, the worst team, not an opinion, not an insult, the worst team out of the 24, an actual fact, meaning their point total, uh, out of the 24 teams that are in this, they never, it never crossed anybody's minds in Montreal that the Canadians would be in the playoffs. They're in there in, in a gifted way. Which means... Uh, Playing with Which house money. They, they're totally house money. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Um, I'm trying. I took eight years of French, and I was trying to say house money in French, and it wasn't coming out here for me. Something. <laughs> ma- something. Some, um, argent maison. There it is, right there. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. You like that? Le regardant la télévision pourquoi? That's all I know. Go ahead. Right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> the the Canadians won't have a care in the world. You know. They, they got the most talented goaltender, I think, on the planet. And they're going to say, look, if we win one, this will be really, really cool. You know, big deal. We're hurting our chances in the draft lottery, and that's that. Uh, the Penguins, I think, are going to be feeling it. I, I really do, because it's not just where they are, how stacked they are. It's the set of circumstances. They're only going to have Patrick Marlowe for one year. 
Uh, they never could have or would have anticipated having someone like Jason Zucker here and Gensel. And on top of that, Sid and Gino and Latang are all on the wrong side of 30 now. That's not, that's not a dig. Uh, that's, again, that's a fact. That's an age thing. That means the window is getting tighter. They feel the pressure of winning cups. They're going to feel the pressure of winning this cup. And how they handle that is going to go a long way toward determining how far they go. Uh, Dan, let me spin that a little bit. Maybe feeling the pressure, not only for the series against Montreal, but to win a cup uh, could play a big advantage for the Penguins because sometimes you don't want to go into any series thinking, okay, let's get rid of this series and get on with the real, the, the real series uh, or, or the real hockey games. Uh, you want to be feeling pressure. I think when you feel pressure, especially this group that has faced pressure and been tested with pressure, that might be a good thing. Yes, and you might want to prepare for it accordingly, which is where guys like the ones that I've mentioned and Patrick Hornquist and Brian Dumoulin and the guys that are the real leaders in that room, uh, the all five, six of them, the core guys, are going to have to understand that a lot of this playoff is going to be defined by game one versus Montreal. You want to talk about pressure. There's pressure, and then there's facing elimination uh, a day or two after you've been off for four months. You know, they would obviously be facing elimination in game three if they lose the first two, but then you lose the first one, and you're thinking, we can't get down 0-2. Uh, they need to take care of business in game one. I really believe that, Albie. I don't think they can mess around with that. Um, you're going to let another team, again, with that great goaltender, build up some confidence, build up that fun element, and then they're going to go and have a blast while you're going to go onto the ice like this. And then there's no crowd and there's no people in this 18,000-seat arena in Toronto, and it's going to be so weird. Um, I don't think they want to deal with that kind of adversity right off the bat. And, uh, you know, the, the format has been talked about a lot with 24 teams. Um, they're going to they're gonna go to Edmonton, and then they're going to plant themselves in Edmonton, and that's where they'll be as long as they're playing. So it's well, going to be interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very different, that's for sure. Yeah. All right, Dan. Back with the quarterbacks in cap space. Another topic that we're going to finish things off with as halftime adjustments continues. I'm Albie. He's Dan. Stick with us. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Dan Kovacevic. And Dan, I think it's safe to say that if we come back uh, in a different life, we want to either be a left-handed pitcher or a quarterback because they seem to be the ones uh, pulling in a lot of the cash Let's talk quarterbacks and cap space. Uh, do quarterbacks, in your opinion, eat up too much of the cap space? Because you sign a quarterback, a franchise quarterback, and then you have to really be creative how you pass the rest of it around. Yeah, and, and that's, that's something that I think the, the NFL uh, eventually is going to have to come to grips with. Um, maybe, in a weird kind of way, the Patrick Mahomes contract will settle that for the foreseeable future. Uh, quarterbacks were already approaching $40 million a year. Listen to what we're saying here. $40 million a year, by the way. Just, I know, right? Um, and not that they're not worth it, because if, if you get right down to it, 
that comes down to $3 million or whatever it is, $2 million a game. Uh, and then you picture what their impact is on that game, on that stadium being filled, on all those ratings. And that's actually a, a pretty fair rate of compensation, I would say. So this isn't a knock on what they're making. It's just about where they fit within the cap. The, the Steelers are paying Ben uh, right now in the mid-30s, depending on how much he's you know, conceding and uh, you know, right. those, the, the restructurings and so forth. So they were already getting near 40. If you're someone else's agent, let's say Lamar Jackson's in Baltimore, and you say, well, I should be getting 45 or whatever it is because I was a league MVP, they're going to look, the Ravens or whoever, are just going to look and say, uh-uh, dude in Kansas City is the best quarterback in the league. He just won a Super Bowl. Uh, he's making 40. You're not topping 40. Still, though, Albie, it's a lot of a cap. It is a big, big chunk of it, and it's going to be harder for teams to manage it, uh, especially since I don't think you're going to see the cap going up for the foreseeable future because of these economic circumstances. Yeah, and sometimes, uh, in recent memory anyway, the the quarterbacks who have uh, taken less money in order to help their teammates uh, get get paid uh, a little bit more, those have been the successful teams. It's not always – uh, or maybe not usually the quarterback who takes all the money and then says, figure it out the rest of the way. Yeah, and it's not just about restructurings either. Uh, restructurings, they do, they do help. They help in the moment, but they don't going forward because the money's still going to count against the cap someday. Right. So whenever it's uh, Ben or Marquise Pouncey or someone like that on the roster that Kevin Colbert and Omar Khan approach from the Steelers and say, hey, can you do this? And they say, sure, what's the difference, right? They're going to get the money eventually. They're not going to be spending it all that second. And they know that it'll help them get some, you know, better teammates, some better support around them. Um, to me, it's more about the salary aspect. Quarterbacks, I think you're going to start seeing them feel the heat from the inside to, hey, look, do you really need to, you know, 35 or whatever? Because if you were, instead of getting 35 and you were at 30, we could go get you this world-class wide receiver who would make your life so much easier, or we could keep your favorite left tackle and protect you from having your face plastered into the ground on a given Sunday, you know, work with us here a little bit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Well, yeah. And it, it does, it, it does beg the question too, you know, and, and far be it for me to say this, but what's the difference between 30 million and 40 million? I know the difference. But but you're gonna your life and the life of your children and the life of your grandchildren and beyond uh, will be set regardless. It, it'll be it'll be more than set. You know what agents I've been told will do is they 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 will actually they're ready for their clients to say things like that because they know they're going to hear it from the team. They know they're hearing it from fans and even their family. Like how much money do you really need, man? <laughs> agents agents come at them with these elaborate presentations that show them not only how much money they're leaving behind and robbing their children and grandchildren and local charities and everything else and all these causes that they believe in, but then they will also show pictures of the NFL owners or whoever on some yacht, 
you know, out in, uh, you know, out in the Atlantic on the way to Aruba or whatever. Uh, and, and they'll say, look, this is what you're giving up your money for, which of course isn't true. If your team's spending to the cap, all of it's going to players, but uh, agents will really, really, really push back against that kind of thinking. Yeah. And it, it, it does boggle the mind though. When you're talking about 40 million a year, think about that for a second. I mean, I can't, you, I can't, you, know, <laughs> you, you remember the days when uh, whoever it was, and it doesn't come to, to mind right now, but the first hundred thousand a year player uh, was it Reggie Jackson? I can't even remember now. The first athlete who made a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, you think that wasn't that long ago? Whoever. No, it, was. it wasn't. I mean, Dave Parker one, at one point was the, the one to crack the million dollar barrier uh, in in baseball. You know, Terry Bradshaw was once the highest paid quarterback in the NFL at, at, at four hundred and seventy thousand um, dollars. That's you know, I mean, part of that's just you know life moving on and, and, and progress and inflation and whatever else you'd want to call it. But another part is that players have gotten their due. They just have, as I mentioned earlier, without these star players, you know, the ratings and everything else changes. Try putting lesser players on and watch what happens yeah. to the ratings and the attendance. Well, for what They're it's the worth. best. They're the best at what they do. Yep. Well, for what it's worth, you're not worth 30, you're worth 40. Oh, thanks, yeah. LB. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Albie and Dan, we're back with our final thoughts here in Halftime Adjustments right after this. Welcome back to our final moments here on Halftime Adjustments Day, and we are now down to about 75 seconds to talk about what's ahead. We have a big week ahead, not only with the teams getting back, uh, but, but certainly looking ahead to football as it uh, moves on fast. Yeah, I mean that's that. It, it's been fun to to lay eyes on the Pirates on July 13. You're going to see the Penguins and all NHL teams uh, open training camps in their respective cities on the 26th. They go to Toronto and Edmonton. All of these teams do, uh, and then August 1 is supposed to be the opening of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, Baseball, or I'm sorry, football is not going to be that far behind. Football's supposed to have open training camps at the end of this month. We'll see whether there's preseason games or not, though, Albie. I mean, that, that's another debate right now that we didn't even have a chance to get into today. That's, you know, there's a pretty big pushback from players on that. They really don't want to do preseason games. Yeah, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And, yes, all these teams are coming back, but we have yet to see the obstacles that they might face. Uh, in trying to make it a reality. So thanks right. for your thoughts this week, Dan. We'll talk to you next time. And that's it for Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider for Dan Kabachevich and the entire team. Too many to name. They all should be making $40 million. See you Hi, next Dean. time. <laughs> <laughs>